Episode 328 of the BizTalk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Semenoff. This week's podcast guest is Teresa Houston, who is director of the Child Development Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired at Envision, the Wichita-based company that specializes in helping the blind and visually impaired. Teresa herself is blind, though she hasn't always been, and hers is a fascinating story of how she took on the challenge of becoming blind and overcame it. Teresa is a recent Wichita Business Journal Diversity and Inclusion Award honoree, and we'll talk about that, her role at Envision, and her participation in the WBJ's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group. Teresa Houston joins me in just a minute. But first, here's a look at what's in this week's edition of the WBJ. Our cover story this week is a look at the Monday blues for companies that have returned to the office. Mondays were always considered one of the most productive days of the week pre-pandemic, but a new survey that's out has some eye-popping statistics about how Mondays aren't as productive in some places as they once were. A case of the Mondays begins on page 14. This week's list is retirement communities. See who has the biggest facilities and see how much it costs to live at them all. The list is on page eight. Our special report this week looks at development in Derby, Wichita's biggest neighbor to the southeast. As more retail heads to Derby, read about where it figures to go, as the city has fewer places to grow inside the city limits. Derby development begins on page 20. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 28. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Teresa Houston is director of the Child Development Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired at Envision here in Wichita, and it's great to have her on this week's podcast. Teresa, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I've gotten to know you a little bit over the past year in the <clears throat> in the Business Journal's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group that we call DEICT, and I guess that's where I'd like to start is, is with your own story that I've heard before, but I, th- I think people would be amazed with it. Talk talk about growing up in Wichita, and you initially had your vision. Um, I grew up on the northeast side of Wichita off of 25th and Gentry. I grew up with the most wonderful teachers. Um, I am a student of busing, and so I went to Buckner Elementary School, and then I was bused to Chisholm Trail, and then I was also bused to McCormick Elementary. Mm-hmm. But those teachers from those years, I had Miss Paris in the second grade, and her husband was a horticulturalist, mm-hmm. and so we got to take field trips to Wichita State. Then when I was in the third grade I had Miss Rito out at Chisholm Trail and it was a wonderful experience Um, as a African-American girl growing up you experiment with your hair a lot and so my mother had broke my hair off from a perm and it was wonderful because of the teacher I had Miss Rito brought her daughter which was a Wichita State 
basketball player to come and see me because I was crying because I had a little afro mm. and from my hair being broke off from a perm. And just to make me feel better, she brought in her daughter and a couple of players from Wichita State. And it's just a picture that I will never forget the richness, the tapestry of what a teacher does for a student. Mm -hmm. And so that started me on my journey. I um, did home daycare for years and and it was because I was blind. I went, well, I went, I was visually impaired at first. I'm sorry. And how did that happen? I had pneumonia and the flu and they can't explain what happened, but what I have is called optic nerve hypoplasia. And what happens is fluid builds up on your nerves in the back of your eyes and it pushes down. And from that, I have a VP shunt that drains the fluid off my brain. So this fluid builds up and it keeps pushing on the optic nerve. And from that, I first lost all of my peripheral vision and I had central vision for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But when I turned 40, it started, my words started jumbling on the pages mm -hmm. and the fluid kept building. And what happens is your, your optic nerves just kind of go pale and they give out. So I've had gradual vision loss between the last 10 years. We're, we're, I'm sorry to interrupt. Were ophthalmologists able to tell you this is what's going to happen to you or did you have to experience it first for them to realize what was going on? You have to experience it. Every person is different and that's the thing about visual impairment and blindness. Every person sees differently. Every person, you may have a, a pinprick of vision, but that's a lot of vision if you have none. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they tried to save the vision I had, but the damage from the fluid was so much that it just slowly diminished. And so I've just adjusted to not having the vision. When I didn't cane, I didn't start using my white cane until I was 40 because I was in denial and <laughs> thought I was too cute to cane, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, but now I, totally depend on it. I love having it. To me, it made my independence better. I hate I didn't start using it sooner. Um, was that just vanity, do you guess? I think vanity and trying to hold on to youth and trying to hold on to the vision you have, thinking it may take something from your vision, mm -hmm. not realizing that it enhances what you have left. Mm-hmm. So what age did you, I guess, diagnosed as totally lost your vision? 50. 50. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, is it easier at that, at that point in your life to become blind, I guess, or would it have been easier younger in life? Just talk about the transition. Um, the transition's been hard um, because I miss seeing people's eyes. I miss seeing the expression of others. I miss reading body language. Um, some of those cues I miss. I can still look at you in your eye and it throws people off. But <laughs> <laughs> And I wear glasses, so that really throws them off. Um, but 
I really miss looking at blue, green, brown, black eyes. I just miss seeing that facial expression. I miss pictures. I miss watching TV. But if it were my choice, I would have lost my vision just how I did. Mm -hmm. Because technology today has come so far. I can go to the movies and audio description is there. So it describes everything to me. Mm -hmm. Same way with TV. You can do audio description on your TV. So now is the time to be blind. And even with um, college, let's look at my college career. I went to Cali as an associate, Cali County, and got my associates. Then I went to Newman University and got my bachelor's degree, Fringe University for my master's degree. In all the settings, I had to have books on CD, mm-hmm. where now you can download your book mm-hmm. from bar. Um, through the public library. And so the accessibility is so much better than when it was when I grew up Mm -hmm. and was going through college. So to me, children and teenagers and adults today have a greater chance of becoming more successful with the visual impairment. Because it is frustrating sometimes um, when you wanna go to Walmart on your own or go to the mall on your own. We love Uber. We love Lyft. We love all these things that were not in place for me 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things that have changed for the better for, for being visually impaired or blind. You mentioned the visual cues that you lost. I am assuming that you picked up very quickly on audio cues. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> Size, yes. uh, types of speech. And then I'm not a hugger. And so now I like to hug because I'm like, oh, I can tell if they're taller. <laughs> you know, so, so, and so, but yes, I do. I pick up. I can tell when people are sad or upset in their voice. I can tell when they're super nervous. That anxiety is building. Um, God has enhanced me in other ways where, and I'm, I'm big on smell, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's really all of those really do change as you get older and wiser in the visual impairment and blindness world. <laughs> Talk about your professional career as you were becoming visually impaired and, and now you're, you're leading children at, here at Envision it with the, the Child Development Center. Well, I, first of all, I'd like to applaud all my early childhood educators out here. It is hard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this has to be a profession that you really, really love. So I started at East High through the Y. Uh, wonderful um, lady by the name of Adrienne Ladd, who also runs the health department right now. She's mm-hmm. the, their child care licensor. And she was my boss. And she just was so good to us. She treated us all as leaders. Then I went to Shirley Mays Head Start. I worked out there for seven years out of 47th Street. And It was a wonderful experience, but the boss that I had at the time, she struggled with my visual impairment. And so I made a decision one day. I said, listen, she can't handle me being visually impaired, so I left. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Opportunity Project North, and I worked for Mr. Downing for over a year and a half. Wonderful experience. I wasn't in management then. I was in a classroom, but I remember the day I showed up for my interview and he opened the door for me and it was the first day I'd used my cane. <laughs> I made up in my mind that I would show up in my with my cane so nobody would have any assumptions that mm. I could see 
more than I could see. But he was the one that opened the door. And I tell you, it was a wonderful experience. They were so nice. And then I seen how they were not about the revenue. They were about making sure every child in Wichita got an education. And I understood the mission of Mr. Downing's goals. So I have a real respect for the Opportunity Project. And then while I was there, Envision had an advertisement for a preschool teacher. And I said, well, let me go on over here to Envision 13 years ago mm -hmm. and apply for this preschool teacher position because I felt like because of my experience, they would be able to understand what I was going through and then it wouldn't be a problem if I lost all my vision. And so within six months of me being here, I became the director. I'd already had some management experience through Head Start, so everything just kind of fell in place. And then uh, when Michael Monteferrante, my boss, came on board, he started asking me, well, Teresa, what do you want to do? And it was the first time as an employee, a supervisor had asked me, what do I want to do? It doesn't happen often, does it? It doesn't happen often. And so he asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want us to go into the community. I wanted us to mirror and mimic Head Start and the Opportunity Project mm. for visually impaired students. So he allowed me to start home-based services for students that were medically fragile, he got me a van within six months and <laughs> let me have a team of teachers and we started home-based services plus the center and so it's been an experience and each year I've had to grow I'm also the public policy advocate for Envision so I go up to Washington I go to the Capitol and we call it storming the hill. And so we go visit our representatives, our senators, our congressmen, and we go see what they're doing in Washington. And that was a nice experience. It's so um, humbling to see how they love us as Kansans, you mm -hmm. know, everything in their offices. Jerry Moran's office is full of Kansas, Estes full of Kansas. And then I'd, um, I'm telling really how old I am now. I went to Pat Roberts' office. He treated everybody like a cousin. He has you come sit behind the desk and hang out with him and stuff. So we had a good time, and I still do that today, too. But in my position here at Envision, I'm just not the director of the Child Development Center. It is my job to advocate, give those resources, make sure we are in our community and everyone knows that we're here to serve i believe in servant leadership um but does it get back to the for you does it get back to the root of working with children yes all the time it gets back to those teachers who poured into me growing up right i'm a child of divorce i'm a child that um, was always overweight I'm a child that didn't have a lot of hair, and we didn't have weave back then. So, <laughs> um, you know, our our group teased a lot, and so I just didn't have a whole lot growing up. And so I believe in giving back and giving. If you don't make a difference on, in anybody else but that one child, you've made a difference. That's why I stick with Envision. I stick with them because of the mission. The mission is to empower 
And so, and create that independence. If you make a difference in one child's life, you made a difference. Mm-hmm. What What are the basic goals of the Child Development Center? What Where do you want to get a child who has vision impairment? I want them to get to whatever they see success is for them. Mm-hmm. I. I want them to become a part of the tapestry of our community and beyond. If they see themselves in Washington, I want my babies to go for it. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Do what you need to do. But I don't want them to feel limited. And that's what I want the limits taken off. Right. But I would imagine that the goals really do depend on the child himself or herself. It's got to be pretty wide ranging. It it does. But it really starts with that parent. See, if the parent feels that my child is limited, my mm-hmm. baby will be limited. Mm-hmm. But if the parent sees that they can be a director, that they can have their master's degree, that they can be a congressman or they can be a teacher, then the perspective changes. Yeah, what is that perspective like? Do I would hope that most parents would come to you with their children and be positive, be optimistic. Uh, but what percentage of parents do you see that are maybe, you know, pretty reluctant or kind of looking at the glass half half empty? Um, I would say at least 50% of my parents Hmm. because they're discouraged. They go in, you have to realize I do zero to five. So you have a six-week-old mom may have had the child premature, and they're looking at more of the survival of the, the infant, you know, making sure the infant is surviving if they're born premature and they have other things that may be happening. So then they may not find out that their child is visually impaired till they're almost nine months old. And so those parents feel like, oh my, what did I do? Uh. They feel like they've done something or they missed something, but they go into a blame of themselves and they don't see that it has nothing to do with sometimes things just happen but my job is to give them the hope and the security that everything will be okay mm-hmm. uh, i also wanted to ask you about our deict group with the wichita business journal partnering partnering with envision this past year and we're going to start a second year here later in september uh, you've you've kind of joked, and I'm assuming it's a joke, you, that you call yourself a, a little bit of a twofer. You are African American and you are blind. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a woman. And I'm you're a, a woman. Threefer. You're I'm a threefer. Three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, basically to, to, for folks who aren't familiar with our groups, we get into small group discussions of what's going on within our companies, within our businesses uh, to to foster diversity, equity, inclusion, what what things are being done right, what things really need to be worked on. And there have been some horror stories that I've heard for the first time over the past year. What have you gotten out of some of the conversations this past year? Oh, my. Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> we um, got time. Well, I leave weekly just full um, – but I do find myself falling into a judgment of myself, not feeling like I do enough, advocate enough. You leave there so empowered uh, because I feel like I'm amongst a group of champions. Mm-hmm. This group is championing our endeavor throughout the community 
I just was so, I'm in here with Ed O'Malley, Kmart Morgan, LaShonda Garns. I just, it is, it is ridiculous to mm-hmm. me that mm-hmm. that much good energy is in one place. It, it's very enriching. Um, it makes you want to be a better citizen. It makes you want to be a better servant leader. It makes you want to do better in advocating for the needs of others and yourself. And that servant leadership just keeps, you know, it just keeps at the forefront of everything that we do. Nobody in that group is there for their own selfish reasons. Right. Everybody is there to pour into each other, pour something into the community. It is a constant fulfillment to me. Mm-hmm. I love Amy Williams out of, it's just so many. I hate to, I better put caller names because. <laughs> Amy from Spirit. Yeah. Yes. And John Ford. From GL, and, GLMV, right? Yes. It's just, uh, it's so many um, good. And then. Amanda. It really is. A, <laughs> so it, many. It, you know, I I, got, I I walk in and I walk out looking at the group each week, and it's like it's an all-star team of leadership mm-hmm. uh, for Wichita. It really is. Um, and I guess this year we're going to look more at what can be done inside businesses to to foster this. Um, sometimes I think we're all speaking to the choir with each other. We're all preaching to the choir. But it's we it's the words that we want to get out into the community about how diversity can be so good for business, your business. Yes. Um, that's going to be kind of the focal point in year two, and I can't wait to get it started. Uh, and I also should mention you're also a recent diversity and inclusion honoree from yes, the Business Journal. Last month we had you, and we honored you at the and others at the at the Hyatt for a luncheon. So. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over this past year, and I look forward to, to talking with you more in, in our group discussions as we get going with DEICT Year 2 here coming up later in September. Thanks for joining me, Teresa. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a blessed day. That's it for Biz Talk this week, episode 328. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. BizTalk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.